Welcome in to the first ever edition of Buck the World, a Bucks podcast brought to you by Cream City Central, hosted by Alexander Joseph Juno, and joined <laughs> by the wonderful Bill William Kanzanieri. Uh, middle name George, please, oh. and thank you. Okay. <laughs> so... Uh, we decided about a month ago that we wanted to start doing a podcast and basically our thought process was there's one box podcast that everybody listens to and those guys are really smart. So we thought we'd come in on the other end of the spectrum and give you some takes from the other side. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The really dumb side. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, for those of you who don't know us, we tweet a lot about the Bucks, and we enjoy talking about the Bucks on Twitter. And we decided that the character limit was really getting us, so we wanted to sort of expand on our thoughts. And the only way that white men know how to do, and we started a podcast. Uh, the only thing we don't have as white men uh, is NBA at the end of our Twitter handles. So I'm very proud that I do not have NBA. <laughs> at the end of my Twitter handle. So if the podcast does take off, I would be willing to become June's Fush's NBA. <laughs> and <laughs> but we have to reach at least a million subscribers first. So I we'll if we reach show. a million, I'll change it. <laughs> I will change my Twitter handle to whatever people request. Like I don't <laughs> Okay. So uh let's start with a little bit about you, Bill. Uh how long have you been a Bucks fan? When did you start following the Bucks? Dude, I have been a fan since I can actually remember. My dad was an early season ticket holder uh, for the the good old days back in uh, 01 for the for the big years with the big three: uh, Ray Allen, Glenn Robinson, Sam Cassell. In case you guys didn't know who those three were, um, my dad was season ticket holder through those years, so I have some sparse memories. Uh, as a young child, sort of enjoying basketball a lot. And then my dad ended his season ticket holdership uh, after the breakup of the big three. He was not happy with that uh, and other reasons I won't go into. And so I've always been, I was, I've always been sort of a casual fan, um, but it wasn't until uh, like a lot of people, uh, I, I I want to say 2012, right before they drafted Giannis, that I sort of started paying attention again. I don't know why. I think it was I, – I just always like basketball, and I think the aesthetic of basketball was changing too into something that I like, which is I, – I don't know. I, I really like the way the aesthetic of uh, the offensive game is now. I, I didn't like the slow post-up era. I, I, it's not my cup of tea. I think it's boring to watch. No offense to – uh, everyone over age 32 out there. Um, but yeah, and here I am today uh, basking in the glory of Giannis and crew. 60 wins as of yesterday. And uh, yeah, everything else is sort of history. Yeah, so I guess my story is pretty similar. Maybe I came to basketball a little later, but also a little <laughs> earlier than you. Uh, I didn't like sports growing up. Like when I was a kid, I did not know that about you. When I was a kid, I just didn't like sports. My dad tried to get me to do everything. He tried to get me to play basketball, to play baseball. I was just really bad at everything. I was a small and awkward kid who had a growth spurt. 
before he started high school and became completely average sized and had some coordination. <laughs> but I was never uh, I was never an athlete. So sports to me were always things that other people did and that they enjoyed watching. But I sort of fell in love with basketball and baseball once I started high school and uh, had no interest in playing them, had absolutely no interest in playing them. But watching them, I felt like there was just so much going on and there was so much that you could learn about the sport that I just loved it. I started to watch all the Bucks games. Um, this was before smartphones were really a thing. So I set up a Twitter account and I got all my tweets that I, from the people I followed, sent to my phone over an SMS message uh, because I had unlimited texting in high school. So I remember being in the locker room, I think it was my sophomore year of high school, uh, before gym class and getting the notification that the Bucks had just traded for Monte Ellis uh, through a text. And I was getting the series of texts from the NBA reporters, Twitters being sent directly to my phone. So that's sort of like my first like really big Bucks memory uh, is trading Andrew Bogut for Monte Ellis. It's uh, a great memory, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Timeless. Uh, contributed to an NBA title for the Warriors, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. Not for the Bucks, but they traded the number one overall pick who had had somewhat success. I mean, he made a third-team All-NBA <laughs> with the Bucks, which is... He had an injury-ridden career that could have been maybe a little bit better, but uh, I don't know. I was a fan of his. Yeah, he's enjoyable. Uh, he really cared about the city and i think that's what was really cool for me is when you watched andrew bogut play like this was a guy who really embraced the community and loved his time here so that was cool um really got into basketball more in college i feel like in college you just meet a ton of people who love the nba that's exactly what happened to me too because like <laughs> yeah for I'm 26 in for the two people that are going to be listening this week. Um, so I started, I started college in 2011 uh, and I transferred to a four-year institution and had roommates uh, in 2013 and uh, they were all big sport heads and they sort of reinvigorated my basketball love. So. And uh, I remember my best friend, my freshman year, he was a, uh... He was a Mavs fan. He was a big Mavs fan. We were both went to the same high school, but uh, he was a Mavs fan. He loved Dirk Nowitzki. He watched as many Mavs games as he could possibly watch, and he followed them pretty actively on Twitter. If you scroll back on his Twitter feed, you'll find a bunch of his tweets about the Mavs and how much he loved Dirk Nowitzki and J.J. Barea and all those guys on those teams. Oh, J.J. Barea, the best. <laughs> and I made him watch... I made him watch box games with me because we'd be hanging out and I'd be like, Oh, the box are on. I turn him on. And he, uh, after about 10 games, he's like, you're killing me. All of a sudden I'm going to be a fan of the bucks. I've watched them more than the Mavs this year. And I remember talking to him about how much I love the rookie we had on our team. I remember butchering mm -hmm. the pronunciation of his name as we me tried too. to say Giannis and Tetacumpo and just fell apart every time. And, uh, you know, I remember looking at, videos of him from the preseason he had one sort of like dirk-esque fade away and i think that's what was really able to swing my friend into fandom is that you know Giannis might be the next dirk which is a horrible stylistic comparison for one of the best athletes we've ever seen from just a pure athletic standpoint not really a skill standpoint uh but that's how i felt when 
Kai was 20 and Giannis was 19. Well, actually, we were both 19, I guess. Giannis is about six months older than me. So, See, that makes me feel old. I think the important takeaway from our past fandoms is that we were here for the worst year in Bucks history. We watched the 15 and 67 team. We'd Mm -hmm. never seen a team that's good. Like, how old were you when the oh the 2001 team happened the fear that or not the fear that your team the big three nine yeah and i would have been five or six so uh don't remember it at all i remember sitting in the shitty bradley center uh, nosebleed seats that's what i remember i remember my first game at the bradley center we got free tickets and our backs were like literally against the the wall on the upper level and I got them for like a reading program or something like that. <laughs> sounds about right. They, there were times when they couldn't give those tickets away. So, yeah, I remember uh, when I was a sophomore in college, we went to the playoff series against the bulls where Giannis decked Mike Dunleavy. And oh, uh, yeah, we, we got our tickets. They were $25 each, which is a, steal for playoff tickets but they also tossed in the last game of the season against the celtics for us so we got three tickets each for fifty dollars and uh so we made the drive from madison three times for that uh game three went to double overtime and then game four jared bayless hit a buzzer beater so like i've gotten to see playoff wins but like this is the first year where they're really good and like i feel like that's really meaningful and uh I guess, what does this season mean to you? Oh, God. The loaded question time. Uh, what does it mean to me? Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to get too existential about it uh, because they haven't won a playoff series yet. <laughs> and I, I kind of need that in my life, especially with uh, the constant... Uh, I live in Austin, Texas now, like uh, randomly a lot of other Bucks Twitter uh, popular people. Uh, whether or not y'all know that, uh, see, I put the y'all in there to help solidify my Texanness. Um, but there's a lot of people, uh, around here, uh, Mavs fans, Rocket fans, Spurs fans, and others who are very skeptical of the Bucks, and they say, you know, t- uh, call me when you win a playoff series. So I, I don't, it's there have been moments where I'm cheering on the couch probably waking people up at 10 p.m. And I, I've had a blast this year, but I don't know if it quite means something to me yet. I can't do that to myself yet. I can't commit. I'm, I, I'm too, yeah. I'm all in. I'm very confident that they're going to get to the, not only are they going to get to the, out of the first round, they're going to go through the second round pretty easily. Maybe meet a challenge in the third round, but I'm pretty confident that they're going to the finals this year. Oh, I, I think they are too. I really do. I just need it. I need my psyche to see uh, them win that first series. I need it. I mean, they're going to be playing what? Uh, what's their current matchup? Uh, Detroit. Detroit, which is probably the easiest matchup they can possibly have among all the playoff teams. So, I mean, typically the eight seed is that, but sometimes matchups are weird. And so I'm not worried about Detroit at all. I mean, but. I don't know. I just need it. It's it's because I've been let down so many times as a Bucks fan. So I need it. I need to see it. <laughs> yeah. I feel that. Until you see the clock winding down in game four at Little Caesars Arena, 
you're not going <laughs> to believe that it's happening until it's happening. They're going to take yeah. the 3-0 lead, and you're like, I don't know. It's still the box. Uh, and that's tough to break. Like That's going to be the first thing is that in maybe Bucks fans are already there, but nationally, I don't think they realize how good this They're, team is. No, I, absolutely not. I, I I have a Slack channel at work, and I will talk up the Bucks, and they're like, "Oh, well, come back!" To, like you can't, you you can't can you're not going to get a buy-in from people nationally until they see it. So, and that's fair. I, I'm not blaming fair. them. Uh, I do think that people should admit that net rating is one of the best indicators of playoff success and the Bucks have a really good net rating, but you know, you're not going to, you're not going to explain to somebody what net rating is and then convince them that it's a great indicator of playoff success. If they had no idea what it was to start the conversation. So Al, I actually tried that and it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) I literally tried that. Uh, I told my manager that I said, "Do you? I can explain to you why the Bucks are going to win, to be very successful." And he's like, "I don't care." So, <laughs> if you use the word correlation to try and explain something in basketball, uh, the person has already given up. Even yeah. no matter how, how yeah. well they know Histori- stats, it's just yeah. they don't believe that the correlations matter at all. And it's like, yeah. I don't know. Histori- what <laughs> when I open up with historical factors indicate, I think everybody uh, dies. So <laughs> their their ears close off. Yeah. So that's talking Bucks basketball with people who aren't Bucks fans. Uh, talking in with people that are Bucks fans, there's definitely this optimism. Like I don't think any people think we're going to lose in the first round anymore. That actively follow the team. Uh, this team's just different. Like they're the only 60 win team in the league this year. Their net rating indicates that they're one of the best teams, poss- like not like one of a top 10 team all time, but probably a top 40 team all time, like right in that sort of ballpark. Um, they're not like the hands on title favorites because the Warriors exist and they coasted a lot of the years. So their net rating isn't perhaps as dominant as you would think. And they're able to rest guys for insane amounts of time because they're old and they know they can win on the road. And mm-hmm. I guess that's going to be the Bucks' biggest thing is perhaps winning their first road game. So maybe game three is the one you circle as the prove it game of round one. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have so little, I have so little respect for, for the Detroit Pistons this year that yeah. I don't doubt, like I'm, I'm circling round two, the first road game as like the big one, but and I hear you. To be clear, the Bucs have not had any road struggles this year. I don't know if they still have the best road record in the NBA, but they were in contention for that all year. Like, they have won a ton of games on the road. They've won at Oracle. They've won in the... Uh, I don't think it's the Air Canada Center anymore. What is it Scotia Bank Center or something like that? I don't uh, know. Yeah, so <laughs> they've won at Toronto. They've won a game in Canada at the Basketball I... Arena in Canada. <laughs> They do have the best road record. I, I'm like, I just checked. I'm okay. pretty damn sure. You know, I can bust out the basketball reference, but I'm pretty damn sure that they have the yeah. b- best road record still. So they can win on the road in the regular season. The playoffs are obviously a different animal, but we don't really have any reason to believe that they can't, aside from the fact that they didn't last year. But, and like, I don't know. It's so tough to convince people of this but throw everything from last year out the window because in the 
playoffs, coaching matters a lot. And Mike Budenholzer has proven that he can coach in the playoffs. He won, I don't remember if it was three or four playoff series with the Atlanta Hawks. And the best player on the Atlanta Hawks was Al Horford. Yeah. Now he has Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is one of the three best players in the NBA this season, at least. I would say going forward, too. But that's an entirely different discussion. Either I'm way, Giannis, better than Al Horford. <laughs> uh, much better than Al Horford. And... Uh, He's proven he can win in the playoffs. Uh, Mike Budenholzer has. So I'm confident that with this coaching, we're not even close to the same team as last year. We're talking about a team last year that won 44 games. This team won 60. You can say, well, they added Brooke Lopez. And it's like, how many wins are you going to attribute to Brooke Lopez? Who's been fantastic this year. But so much of it is coaching. So much of it is the players being in the right spots and knowing what they can do. Yeah. I mean... I, I'm not worried about that at all. I mean, he took that Hawks team to to the Eastern Conference Finals in in that great year. Uh, was that 14-15, correct? Yes. Yeah. They did get swept, but there is no LeBron in the East. So I'm, I'm not quite worried. It's essentially like if you take that 14-15 uh, Hawks team and then add LeBron. Uh, yes, I am comparing Giannis to LeBron at the moment. Uh, I am a homer. But that's that's kind of how I feel about the Bucks right now. I think that's a good way of putting it. And yeah. for the people who want to say, well, he didn't beat LeBron. Like, he couldn't even steal a game. And it's like, wait, nobody did that year. No, mm -hmm. In the first round, they didn't lose a game. In the second round, they didn't lose a game. And they lost a game in the finals. They lost three games and got down 3-1 to one before having the greatest comeback in playoff history. Matthew Dellavedova! the 73-win team. So if your gripe with Mike Budenholzer is that he couldn't make it out of the playoffs over LeBron, I'd say that's ridiculous. And if that's your standard, there's not very many successful head coaches in the league. But I digress. Uh, I guess that's sort of what I wanted to talk about for playoffs. Um, I had this discussion with somebody on Twitter today, so I'll pose it to you. Uh, do you fear Philly or the Raptors more if you're the Bucks? Uh, see, th this is this is what I'm here for. Um, okay, so you got two you got two solid system teams in the East. You got the Raptors and the Bucks, who have consistently played, you know, a relatively consistent starting unit. I know the Raptors have had issues keeping Kawhi and. Uh, Lowry on the floor at the same time. Uh, Lowry being old and Kawhi being uh, Kawhi, I guess. Uh, just that's what he is at the moment. Um, but, you know, I trust Nurse. I've seen the Raptors play, you know, half a dozen times. They're good. Um, and I know we've done well against them, but, you know, the emergence of Siakam, uh, they can play defense. I. I just think they're very well built. I, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say I, f I fear the Raptors more, but the Sixer the Sixers pose uh, such they have such top end uh, talent. Uh, they got rid of all their you know middle talent, um, and you know that's can be debated how how well that's going to work for them in the long term. But uh, you know B Butler is uh, you know he 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 can be a Bucks killer. 
So I, I don't know. I, I'm sort of rambling, but I, I got to go Raptors. I I guess I just trust the system of Nurse and and Kawhi uh, and Lowry. Even though you know the Sixers probably have the would you say that Sixers have the best collection of top end talent in the East? Would you Would you say that? I don't. I don't. I think Simmons. I think Simmons is very overrated. I'm just ta- talking specifically about Embiid and Butler. So, and then, and then to a to a lesser degree Harris, and then to a lesser degree Simmons. I I don't have a lot. I like Simmons, but not that much. I I mean, if you're going starting five for starting five, and you're rating them, you know, one to a hundred, and you add them up, talent. Do I think that the Sixers have the highest number there? Probably. Yeah. Because Embiid's probably a low 90s type guy. And I mean, Giannis is the best player in the East, but I got to like, second best, right? I don't yeah. want to be too much of a homer here, but <laughs> would Chris Middleton be the second best guy on the Raptors this year? Or not on the Raptors, on the Sixers this year? Uh, no, he'd be the third best, right? I don't know. Has Butler been a lot worse than I than he I didn't know? make the All Star game? You're and right. Like, there was good reason for that. Uh, his defense has kind of slipped a lot this year, and he hasn't really been that assertive offensively. He's not really that good of a shooter. It's tough for me because the big thing I want out of wings is shooting and defense, and he didn't really bring that. But uh, I'm I'm with you fear the Raptors more than the Sixers, mainly because the Sixers are talented, but I don't like how they match up with the Bucks at all. I don't think they have somebody they can put on blood. So I think that people think they can put Butler on him, but then I have no idea who's guarding Chris. No matter who they put Redick on, it's a mismatch. I don't, Redick's too small to guard. Redick is awful defensively. I love, I love him to death, but yeah. He does great things for them on offense with his spacing and his ability to shoot off screens. I mean, it's mm-hmm. killed the Bucks this year. But mm-hmm. his defensive in the playoffs, they had to play uh, last year. They had to play uh, Marco Bellinelli over him just because Marco Bellinelli was two inches taller and a little stronger because they were getting kind of cooked against the rap or the Celtics big guards. Like and that's Jaylen wild. Brown. And that's wild to think about. Like, just just think about that. They had to play Marco Bellinelli for defense. Like, that's just a that kind of shows you the concerns the Sixers have at that two guard position. And I don't. I did not like the way they guarded the Bucks. I think the idea that you're just going to single cover Giannis is just never going to work. I think you have to double him. So. But- what, what, 40? Okay, so he had 40, 45, and what was the first game? Like 37? I, I don't The I don't know what the first game was, but the second game he got into the 50s. Oh, he got into the 50s. You're right. Um, he's killed them, and the, their approach to guarding him is... two most is, recent matchups, yeah. Yeah, their approach to guarding him is super interesting because, you know, most teams have resorted to, you know, slapping him and hoping the, you know refs don't notice because he's so big and strong but the Sixers tried to play him like traditionally and you can't do that so (laughs) it's almost like the defense they ran for him was like a lack of respect and it's like well this is the one of the best players in the NBA you should respect him I don't know who you think you're guarding but it's not it's not gonna work yeah I don't I don't get Brett Brown there but whatever (laughs) so 
uh, the way it sits right now, the Celtics are the fourth seed and the Pacers are the fifth seed. So it looks like the Bucks would be playing the Celtics in the second round. Do the Celtics scare you? Like if we're talking like a scale of one to 10, where one is the Bucks are going to roll them. It might be easier than their first round matchup. And 10 is uh, the 96 Chicago Bulls. And <laughs> there's no way you're getting through them. Uh, 10 would be irrational. So I should pick 10. Um, but I don't know, five, like you, you have a variety of factors in play for me. I don't watch every single team in the NBA every single night. Like no other human being does except some, uh, madman or somebody who's paid a lot of money to do that. Uh, I've watched the Celtics a handful of times. I've seen their record. I've seen the way they will lose teams. I know they've had injury issues. Um, I know their fans are decrying them. Um, I know that I saw the Celtics handle the Bucks last year. I know that I am terrified of Al Horford, maybe to an irrational uh, level of respect for him. I think he's great. Um, uh, Kyrie Irving is the probably the best ball handler of all time, uh, maybe. Um, so I think I respect them more than like there's st- you know, the way they've played indicates. So I, you know, in some ways I fear the Celtics more than the Sixers still. Um, plus the respect I have for Stevens. I don't know, but I, I guess I got to go with a five to try to like balance my emotions and my logic. I got, I have absolutely no idea what to think of the Celtics. I'm slightly afraid that they're going to just flip the switch, but I feel like they would have done that earlier yeah. if there was a switch and that's what all the that's what everybody keeps saying like watch out they're gonna flip the switch like okay okay when <laughs> yeah remember when lebron said he was gonna flip the switch he was like we gotta activate playoff mode <laughs> earlier this year and uh, they didn't get any closer <laughs> uh, um, there, there's so many good memes for that oh, man. but with the uh, one of the most important things i think to watch in the next two days in terms of the celtics is what Marcus Smart's injury is. He left yesterday with an injury and they said they were going to do some scans today. I just searched Twitter, didn't find anything on it, but Marcus Smart's the type of guy that you're going to want to put on Eric Bledsoe because he swallows up guards. I think that he's probably the best defensive guard in terms of on-ball defense currently in the NBA. I think Bledsoe. Uh, yeah, I think Bledsoe's better at like off screens. But if you're talking about oh. just containing a guy off the dribble, mm. um, that's Marcus Smart to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so having that type of guy that they could put on Eric Bledsoe, huge. Um, I think I don't think it could swing the series because I don't think they're winning with them. But it's the difference between the series going five games and maybe six games or something like that. Maybe five games and seven games, four games and six games. Uh, I think he could swing the series two games in the Celtics' favor, that type of impact. Um, he's not their best player, but he's still just really impactful and really beneficial to the team. Uh, I'm curious to see sort of how they look in the first round. The Pacers aren't an elite team by any means, especially with the Oladipo injury, but they've been solid and they've been feisty. And if they if the Celtics drop a couple of games – and the Bucks just sweep the Pistons or the Magic or whoever they end up playing. I, th- I think it's going to be one of those two teams. I think those are the only options. But if the Bucks sweep that team and the Celtics kind of struggle, we're going to be looking at 
you know, a Celtics team that's not incredibly flush with confidence. I think the Celtics are one of the most prominent examples we've seen of too many cooks in the kitchen. Uh, Kyrie loves to dribble the air out of the ball for all the things he does. Well, he's really good at that. Um, or really bad, depending on your perspective. Um, mm. And that hurts. And because the other guys don't get to touch the ball in a lot of possessions or one other guy touches the ball. And uh, I'm curious, you know, what does Jalen Brown look like? What do Gordon Hayward look like? How do their fourth and fifth options look when they're not, you know, they're in the playoffs now. So you would think the engagement's at an all time high, but how does it look in reality? Yeah. The, and that's the question. There's such a mystery. I, you know, I'm going to be watching, absolutely watching the Celtics in the playoffs outside of the Bucks. That's the, that's the other team I want to see. I'm, I want to scope them out. Like, cause I want to know what, if, you know, if the Bucks run into them, which they most likely will, like what, like is Hayward g- going to like, will Hayward activate? I, I don't know. Probably not. That doesn't seem like, the playoffs don't really seem like his. Have we seen Gordon Hayward in the playoffs? He made it one year with Utah, right? Yeah, I believe so. But but we know that his issues are still stemming from recovering from that injury, and yeah. and which has been sort of an uh, a storyline. I haven't seen covered a lot by the by the national media. Like have. I've, maybe I've just ignored it, but it, it's pretty fascinating how they much they haven't been very forgiven. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, and they should be. But I, I'd be interested to like get into his head to see what's I don't know what's going on. We, you know, Paul George had a. We can we say it's a similar injury when he just shattered yeah. his leg, like I, and, I think they're very similar. Yeah. Yeah, and and I don't know, and and most people assume it's just mentality. Um, He's and, supposed to be fully physically recovered, but he's such a difference maker if he's the old Gordon Hayward. So, and people forget sort of the timetable with the Paul George injury. Paul George, like whatever you want to call what he did to his leg, destroyed his leg in a USA mini camp. So that's yep. the summer in between the NBA season. The mm-hmm. next NBA season, he played the last five games. He played the last five games. Then he had another off season to really recover those five oh. games. He was horrible, but like, you know, it was five games coming off a horrible leg injury. Gordon Hayward hurt himself the first game of last season. And so he spent almost not the entire time recovering. And then he's sort of been trying to work his way back in. Once the season started, it's tough to work your way back in, in the middle of an NBA season, especially when you're like, it's not like in Utah where he got to touch the ball all the time. He doesn't get to touch the ball that much. If he's not, if things aren't going well, they put in Tatum or Brown over him, and that's sort of how it is. He's um, only started 18 games, so yeah. When you look at, I actually pulled up his basketball reference page because I wanted to uh, see his playoff thing. That's that's what I just did too. And he uh, he played in the playoffs one year in Utah. It was uh, his last year there. They won the first round series, and he ended up playing a total of 11 playoff games. Um, his previous time in the playoffs was five years before that. And he played in four games. And I assume the jazz got swept that year, uh, 2011, 2012. So I don't remember that season word for word. I was a sophomore in high school, junior in high school. So, but the year after the fear of the deer year, (laughs) (laughs) no, two years after that. No. Oh yeah, Yeah, you're right. So 11, 12. 
because I thought it yeah. was nine nine ten was fear the deer. Yeah, yeah that's so right. Two years after, yeah. So I don't know. That's what I wanted to cover today. Anything you wanted to cover? Oh, um, overarching topic wise, uh, not specifically. That I don't know that it's interesting. We we cover a lot of very interesting topics. Um, I did think of a topic off the top of my head that we were talking about, which and it's kind of a fun little topic. It can be pretty short, but Giannis early Giannis player comps is like a super fascinating topic to me um, because they were all over the place. Um, I remember 2013, I was driving home from a game and Windhorst, uh, I believe went on a radio show. I don't recall which one back when I was living in Milwaukee and basically said at his best, uh, he saw Giannis as, uh, oh my gosh, I'm totally forgetting his name. Uh, Charlotte Hornets, small forward. Can you? Uh, Nick Batum. Nick Batum. Correct. Uh, <laughs> at his best being a Nick Batum and, and then, and that the 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 player is constantly changed, which is really interesting. But where were where were you on like early Giannis player comps? And I know this is kind of a left turn, but I think I thought Nick Batum a lot. I think I generally saw a lot of similarities. Um, I think people forget how athletic Nick Batum was. Um, he had kind of an injury his last year with uh, Portland before mm-hmm. he got traded to Charlotte. And uh, I, I really liked him. Time, he, so. he he did some playmaking. He did some shooting. And uh, I think that's sort of what I saw Giannis doing. Uh, I always thought he had the potential to be better. But, you know, Nick Batum was sort of a f- not really a floor because he was a really good floor. But um, he was something in the ballpark of like the, you know, 60th percentile outcome. Like if he becomes about an average what he's capable of that's what he is um and he's obviously exceeded that i don't think anybody saw this sort of rim dynamo as the outcome you know when he was a rookie and a second year player i think more people thought shooter and uh you know energy guy defensive stopper transition and, guy too yeah, yeah uh for sure transition guy and he's sort of become like that's that that's his best skill is getting to the rim and finishing at the rim. And I don't really think anybody saw that coming because this player doesn't exist. He's the only player doing this. He's he, honestly his his closest comp now. It's been it's been changed like constantly, I feel like, but the the most recent comp that I thought was super interesting is he's like a he's like Shaq in the way he handles himself at the rim, except if Shaq like was also a, like a guard. I don't, it doesn't, it's, yeah. and it's, it's weird how you can go from Nick Batum to Sha- Shaquille O'Neal. Like he is such a interesting and odd player. Giannis. It's, it's incredibly fascinating. And honestly, um, the Shaq thing makes a lot of sense to me. Um, in many ways, he's similar to LeBron. I think that's sort of obvious. I don't know. I don't know if LeBron was ever this good defensively. I I love when, LeBron. when he turned it on. Was he not? I feel like when he turned it on in his early years, like he, like in his mid years, like 
I think early on he was pretty elite. Before I was a big basketball fan, I, I heard that he he was pretty good defensively. He was definitely uh, like an all defense guy. Could have won defensive player of the year a couple of times. Yeah, but he was never this good off ball. And uh, oh, off ball is sort of what I think off ball is like eighty percent of defense. Assuming that your guy, the the guy that you're carding, touches the ball twenty percent of the time, which like isn't necessarily how usage works. And a lot of wings end up being higher, and the bigs end up being lower usage guys. But off ball is eighty percent of the defense you play, give or take five percent. Um, and so. I feel like it's undervalued because we talk about guys as stoppers more. And it's like Kawhi Leonard might be the best on-ball defender in the league when he's right and when he's engaged. But like that's 20% of the defense. What's he doing off-ball? And that's always been the discussion for me. And that's why when Kawhi won Defensive Player of the Year, I wanted Draymond to win it because I believe Draymond was the best off-ball defender that year. But that's a that's a bigger picture topic. Yeah, and... Interestingly enough, uh, the player poll just came out and you know tells you what players' opinions. Uh, the player poll with the Athletics specifically, um, which I am subscribed to, and it's a good subscription. Um, and you know, Giannis is seventh in the player in the player vote for best defender in the NBA. There's 114 votes in this, so it's it's pretty. That's a pretty sizable amount of NBA players, and I don't know what that exactly tells you about, you know, reevaluating your own opinion or evaluating the opinions of other players. Uh, but I always thought that was kind of interesting. And meanwhile, you have Kawhi Leonard, number one, with 30% of the vote, and Paul George, number two, with 16% of the vote. And then all the way down to seven, he's tied with Draymond Green and Chris Dunn, by the way, uh, at with 2.6%. And we we all know Giannis is not the best on ball defender and we know that like you said off ball is argue let's just say it makes up the majority like team defense makes up the majority of what you need defensively and it's it's just odd to think about that you know we I I I obviously want Giannis to win defensive player of the year but He's not maybe not getting as much respect among other defenders as he deserves, maybe. And I think when players are asked questions like that, they don't think about it that deep. They think, who's the guy who could really clamp down like anybody in the league? And that's probably Kawhi Leonard. Giannis doesn't take the opposing team's best player, like no. almost ever. Um, it's Chris Middleton for us. And to me, that's like saying that, you know, like, uh, I don't know who the best. It's like saying... Charles Woodson in his prime. Wait, Charles Woodson in his prime playing corner. Yeah, shout um, out to the Packers fans. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to think of like who one of the best free safeties is of all time, and I don't really care about football that much to do it. But it's like saying that the best free safety in the league doesn't play, doesn't guard Julio Jones, and doesn't guard AJ Green, and doesn't guard Odell Beckham, and doesn't guard Antonio Brown. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's not what they want him to do on defense. They want him to, you know, roam and make plays. So, yeah. And that's exactly what Giannis does. He, he's, but he's been often called like, that was a, that was a more of a thing that was coined last year, but the free safety of the bucks defense, I remember that being coined quite a bit last year. So yeah, that's where I'm at. That's how I feel about Giannis comparisons. And I think that Giannis is the best player in the league. And I think he's going to cement that in a week when the playoff starts. Yeah, I, I can't. I cannot wait for all eyes to be on the Bucks. Um, 
you know, that, that it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm not around the journal Sentinel anymore, but you know, uh, there was a, there was somebody on Twitter, um, pr pretty frequent bucks tweeter. I don't follow him, but he, he came up in my feed because of replies oh, yeah. from other people I follow. Uh, and he was, he was not happy with the fact yeah. that the front page of the journal was Josh Hader, uh, and, and the Brewers who uh, beat the Cubs yesterday, rather than the Bucks getting to 60 wins um, in a in an amazing year that they've had so far, and they didn't get the front page. And I'm and I'm kind of like I'm not as I'm not going to show outrage towards something like that. Um, that's silly to me, but I do understand the sentiment, and I am sort of annoyed and sick of. The lack of respect the Bucks get, so it's going to be really nice once they get in the playoffs, especially when they win the first series, uh, that the respect will finally start coming in. So, yeah, shouts to Lamont who tweeted that. Um, he's right. The Bucks yeah. should be getting the primary of the coverage, and they've been on the alternate channel twice already. So, Ooh, they, they did, but for this <laughs> for the Hawks game, they did get the primary Fox Sports Wisconsin. Uh, they the Cubs Brewers game got bumped to uh, Fox Sports Wisconsin Plus. I do remember seeing that. So somebody was showing okay. love so, with Fox Sports, but the sure. journal was not showing the love. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I think that'll do it for our first episode. Uh, thank you for listening to Buck the World. Uh, we're not doing this for any reason except that we love the Bucks and we love talking about the Bucks. So. Uh, I'm Alex Juno uh, on Twitter at Junes for Shiz. Bill, you want to let them know where they can find you on Twitter? Oh, do a thingy. Yeah, I can do a thingy. Um, I am Bill Canzanary. I think I'm actually Bill Can Canzanary right now. Uh, why I made that change is a long story. Uh, but I'm at Bill Canzanary. Very simple. Uh, nobody can spell my last name. So it's C A N Z O N E R I if you're so inclined to look. But Thank you all for joining us.